because there are so many things I can relate to this main character, Shinji, being unsure where you're going or what to say, how to behave. Like at the same time, you have to be okay with it. That kind of like vague unknown to yourself. If I could just add on to that, I think Shinji's experiences in the film are relatable, whether you are a Japanese international student who studies at U of T or someone else, right? It's a very relatable experience. And I think in terms of how to act, how to be a quote unquote man in the West or in the East, whatever that means, right? In the film, he looks for love and it's a struggle for him. Welcome to episode 13 of Intercultural Insiders. My name is John McGraw, and I am the founder of Hyaku Coaching. I help expats and newcomers feel confident in their new country in less time and pain. The purpose of Intercultural Insiders is to share the stories of people with intercultural experiences. So if you're feeling isolated or lost, you can hear something from the guest's experiences that could help you, even if it's just a reminder that you're not alone. Today is part two of the interview with filmmakers Kennedy Kao and Tomo Nogi, but I have a couple of updates before we get into that. Yesterday, I ran a workshop for Beehive, which is a startup incubator in Brampton, which helps immigrants wanting to start new businesses in Canada. The participants in the Beehive Incubator program are referred to as founders since they are the founders of these new startups. I ran a workshop for the founders titled Cultural Adaptation, How to Thrive in a Canadian Business Environment. We covered a number of topics such as Canadian versus American approaches towards business development. There are some significant differences in decision-making and how we go towards consensus. So it's important to be aware of them. And we also talked about differences in terms of forming business relationships across cultures, how comfortable we are in getting very personal. For those of you who've seen other episodes, you may have seen that story about a business relationship with a potential collaborator from China and how I had some difficulties with that approach in forming a business relationship. So we talked about that as well and also how to avoid making mistakes based on cultural biases, building your observation skills when you encounter new situations, and how to think of multiple explanations before jumping to a conclusion and making a judgment that could lead to a costly mistake. So I really enjoyed that session because I really like working with entrepreneurs. They, by nature, are willing to experiment and try something new and go outside of their comfort zones to do what they need to do to make their businesses a success. The founders asked a lot of great questions, 
and really got into the activities. And I was able to learn some things about their cultures as well. Beehive was a great host. They invited me to stick around for lunch. And at the end, they gave me a local gift, some raw honey sourced locally in Brampton. Looking forward to working with Beehive and the future founder cohorts as well. Another update about something that I mentioned last week is the course that I'm planning, a three-session live online cohort-based course called Newcomers Build Great Relationships with Canadian Colleagues and Clients. There is a link to the survey and wait list for the course in the notes for today's episode. This course is for newcomers who are looking to strengthen their cross-cultural skills so they can thrive in their positions and advance in their careers. We'll cover topics like understanding key aspects of Canadian work culture, advocating for yourself in a Canadian workplace, and building relationships to thrive in your position and advance in your career. I'm also having conversations with people who want to share what they would like to get out of the course. So please feel free to connect with me if you would like to have a conversation about that. You can reach out to me through LinkedIn or John McGraw at thriveglobally.ca or go to my website. With that said, let's talk about today's interview, which is part two with Kennedy Cow and Tomo Nogi, who are filmmakers and creators of the upcoming film Good Boy. It is about a Japanese university student in Toronto trying to fit in and find himself. And as I mentioned last week, it really touched a chord in me because of that loss of identity and concern about what he should or shouldn't be in a different culture. And I think anyone who's experienced loneliness will really find something in common with that. In today's episode, we'll talk about our different cross-cultural experiences, talking about Kennedy and Tomo and how they worked together with Japanese actors and the cross-cultural divide. You can find out more about the film at goodboyfilmproduction.com. And also we talk a bit more about filmmaking culture and leadership styles and how they relate to corporate culture. So without further ado, let's get into part two of the interview with Kennedy Kao and Tomo Nogi. I kind of want to ask a question to John. Spent some time in Japan, and have you noticed any like cultural behavioral distance, as like differences, like how people behave differently in terms of like Western, Eastern way? Yeah, that's a good question. For example, I'll bring it to the idea of the classroom teaching experience. When you're not sure of something, maybe given instructions, whether it's acceptable to say, hey, sorry, could you explain that again? Or if it's better for the purposes of preserving harmony to just go along with that and just don't want to bring that up because it's just going to disrupt things. And that was a bit difficult for me to wrap my head around. You just to say something if you don't understand these instructions. What's your reason? Are you just too proud or something? And that's one thing that stuck with me because of my own reactions to it, as well as what I was observing. When you have a better understanding of the culture, it does make sense. The cultural, right, the culturally appropriate behavior, particularly about how men are supposed to behave, I think it really depends on how your father was. Like my dad, he's basically a joker. He just always jokes around and 
my mom laughs. And that was my model for men. And I went to New Zealand and I was basically not trying to be my dad, but that was just the way I lived. And I couldn't get girlfriend. I couldn't have girlfriend at all. And one of my Vietnamese friends told me, told me, why don't you have a girlfriend? Because you joke around all the time. Maybe I was supposed to gain some respect. So within, even within the probably the East, in that sense, there's a bit of a cultural behavior difference or the idea of how men are supposed to behave. That's something that just came to my mind. I don't know because he said that because he's from that country or maybe his father was like that or his friends were like that. I'm not sure. I just want to put it up there. And that's hugely why I relate to this character. I didn't have a official long-term girlfriend until very recently. I'm now 30 years old. There are so many things I can relate to this main character, Shinji. Being unsure where you're going or what to say, how to behave. Like at the same time, you have to be okay with it. That's kind of like very unknown to yourself. Like, if I could just add on to that, I think Shinji's experiences in the film are relatable, whether you are a Japanese international student who studies at U of T or someone else, right? It's a very relatable experience. And I think in terms of how to act, how to be a quote unquote man in the west or in the east whatever that means right in the film he looks for love and it's a struggle for him because of how he behaves in certain scenarios maybe he's supposed to be more manly how we supposed to communicate through text right to women that he finds interest and very much in the film what it means to be masculine and how people can struggle with those meanings, right with those ideas and i'm sure john with what you talked about and how maybe in japan it's common for people to hold in what they're really saying. Whereas in the West, it's the complete opposite, right? You're supposed to speak up for yourself. You're supposed to take charge, especially for guys, for men. And maybe that's something that Shinji is struggling with, right? So for sure, it all ties together. Absolutely. And building off what both of you have said, it's not just a case of a national culture. There's the culture based on the family and what your occupation is and generational culture. For myself, I'm Generation X. So the idea of what's appropriate for people, particularly men, to talk about in the West it's influenced by parents, boomers, or silent generation, whereas now millennials and Generation Y, it's more acceptable, for example, when it comes to mental health. It's open when you talk about issues, and this is a very positive thing. So yeah, what you say about it being a universal theme, even though this particular film is focusing on this particular character from this particular background, the themes are definitely yeah. universal. Perry's background is not Japanese. That's another interesting part that he picked this specific character. And but he also doesn't understand Japanese language, but main characters would speak in Japanese and that itself is already just in process for me to again participate in. This is something I didn't really ask and I don't think we spoke about, but if I may ask to Ken, two questions. One, was there any reason you chose Japanese background? And two, was there any time that you noticed cultural behavior differences in the East and West? I don't mean to take off John the authority. No way. This is a three-way conversation. All the more, the better. Very good questions, Tomo. So I'll say that choosing a Japanese character comes from a personal reason. I had a lot of Japanese friends at UFT. But branching off of that, I do understand how in Japan there is a specific culture, a specific upbringing that I know a lot of my friends experience and how that kind of upbringing and that kind of culture can be antithetical to the way of life in the West, right? In Canada. So 
that's conflict of cultural ideals, of cultural upbringings, I thought was a good way to, to depict the general struggle of someone struggling to fit into a new country, a new culture, because those differences were quite stark to me. And your second question, 100%, right? While I'd love to be specific about Japanese culture, I'm obviously not Japanese. I didn't live there, but broadly speaking, it's quite known that there are differences between the Eastern way of life and the Western way of life. I'm half Filipino, I'm half Taiwanese, so I definitely grew up in an Asian household. And so I experienced a lot of family kind of ideals, right? Thinking of the family first rather than your own independent journey. There was a lot of respect to authority. I was urged to not speak up too much or not to get in other people's way and to stay in my lane, right? Perhaps this can be found too in Japanese culture, at least just through observation. I do definitely see that. And obviously I was born and raised in Canada, right? And so growing up, and trying to balance or find my way through these conflicts of, of ideals. Yeah, I can see that. Since you brought up that you don't have direct experience in Japan, but you're working with Japanese actors and producer Tomo, so I'm curious how the creative process is and how that works. It's a really yeah. fun experience for me, right? I've never worked in another language other than English, so this is a new experience for me. I tend to give the actors a lot of space to riff off of each other and to ad-lib, right? And to really own their dialogue. I tend to do that with my films in general, but definitely emphasizing that for this film because I'm not Japanese. I don't know the kind of nuances of the language that Tomo or the actors would know. So trusting them and letting them guide me uh, over a certain line or a certain behavior thing, right? Definitely just trusting my team and l letting them be creatives, right? Letting them be artists as well. And to support that, we've been doing up to about rehearsal and also practice. We call it chemistry read. And also Kennedy does spend a lot of time with actors to develop characters. Background story, we see the pages of the background story of the characters. And I see it like, oh, this is nuts. Like, stack of pages. It's, it's very interesting to see. And that builds a trust between actors and team and director. And it's surprising to see how language barrier can be so minimized by spending time together. It's pretty cool. It's really interesting to hear that discussion of that kind of collaborative process, because it's a real culture change, I think, not just in film, but in business as well. And the difference between a boss and a leader, I'm sure you've heard of that. A boss just tells people what to do, but a leader, there's a communication there, whether it's your actors, the people who report to you in a corporation, there's so much more that comes out of that. Just looking from the side. I think Kennedy knows where he wants to go, but he explores and then eventually gets there. And of course, that maybe the final vision can be changed through the process. But it's really interesting to see. He does spend a lot of time with his crew as well. In a different project, he sent text to different crew members before the shoot. Maybe I should explain that I wanted the crew to be actually involved in the film, not just in terms of being behind the scenes, but actually being almost in front of the camera and participating in the shoot because the whole shoot was very run and gun. It was shot on location in a restaurant in a live location with real customers coming in. And so I wanted the crew 
who was in the restaurant to blend in with everyone else. And so as Tomo said, I love coming up with backstories for all my characters. And so I came up with little backstories for the crew. I I sent each of them a little paragraph and each paragraph basically said what I thought they did the day of or the morning of and had them really participate. And I guess this all just goes to say that filmmaking is supposed to be collaborative. I just think it's best that everyone is involved as much as possible and and that people are given the space to be creative and to be artists. I always liken the role of the director as a referee, meaning that it's up to me as a director to set rules, basically the guidelines being my creative vision, but it's essentially my job to let people to play, right? And to let people have fun at the end of the day. And then maybe someone's going out of bounds. I steer them back onto the playing field. Kind of mentality I always like to have for making films, especially the case here, because I'm not Japanese. I need to trust the people that I'm working with who are Japanese. Right. Yeah. You are not a teacher. You are a director. I think we talked about this, John, like over dinner, right? It's similar to what you do and how you specifically label yourself as a coach, right? Not a teacher, not someone who will give a prescription, right? but just being that kind of supportive force for your clients, right? Which really resonates with me. I've also heard it explained as rather than being the stage on the stage, you're the guide on the side, mm. right? Yeah. I think we're coming up pretty close to the time. Are there any other things that we haven't covered yet that you'd like to yeah. focus on? We're going to be filming Good Boy in February, but before we start filming, and we have a GoFundMe page set up. We're looking to supplement our budget. We received a grant from the Toronto Arts Council, which was a great win for us. And we're just looking to supplement that grant to ensure that we have the proper budget to proceed with the production. And John, like you said, we shot a promo short film. It's called Shinji and Akiko Spend an Afternoon Together. It basically is an introduction to the main character, Shinji, and one of the other characters, Akiko. And basically, I guess I like to frame it as spending an afternoon with them and seeing who they are, their kind of dynamic, and getting a glimpse at the kind of struggle that Shinji faces. So that's definitely in the promo short film and people can check that out. And our website has more information about the film and how anyone can support. So I guess that's our plug. Tom, anything you want to add here? Thank you very much, Jones, for this. Thank you guys for agreeing to come on. I've enjoyed the conversations that we had even before you came on here. And I'm definitely looking forward to seeing how the film progresses and excited to see the final product and i'm sure it's something that's going to really have an impact with anyone who watches it i really enjoyed the conversation and getting the opportunity to be interviewed on my own show Something doesn't happen too often. Thanks, Tomo, for doing that. And it was quite interesting seeing a number of the comments from Toronto English School. Joseph sharing how there is a cultural tendency in Japan to go for perfection, which can sometimes be a barrier when trying to learn a language because a lot of it comes through trial and error. I was recently watching a Japanese drama called Doraigon Zakura, which is centered around helping high school students who are not particularly good performers to get into Todai, which is the top university in the country. They talk about 
preparing their English abilities for the exam. And if you ask a typical Japanese person if they can speak English, so they'll say, oh, no, I can't really speak English very well, even if they can. But they said, if you ask a foreigner who come here, if they can speak Japanese, they'll say, yes, I can. I can say sushi and sumo. A bit of a stereotype, but the confidence level, I think, comes to some extent from culture as well as personality. Other comments, maybe being shy or humble is somewhat encouraged in Japanese culture too. Yeah, I think that's also quite true. I had the experience in the golf tournaments that I participated in with the Toronto Shokokai, which is the local Japanese business chamber of commerce. I went there not being particularly good at golf. I would speak to the others who were there. I'd, I'd say, I'm a beginner. Oh, and they would say, oh, I'm a beginner too. I'm a terrible golf player. And of course, they were so much better. We weren't in the same league at all. And uh, I think, again, it's that cultural humility, whereas we're encouraged in Canada and the U.S. in many situations to talk yourself up. And this also comes up when it's job interviews or when you are working in a corporation, that if you want to get opportunities, you need to speak up and talk about yourself. And in some cultures, such as Japan, that comes across as negative and bragging. Many newcomers have trouble getting used to that. And they can be excellent at their jobs, but because they don't speak up about themselves, they can get stuck in their positions because they never speak up. They don't get that much attention. Managers assume they must like where they are. And that's one of the things that I intend to cover in that course that I mentioned earlier. If you have any questions about that course or want to know more about it, please feel free to send me a message either through LinkedIn or through the email. There is next week's episode to talk about as well, which will be a great interview with Kasia Lynch, who is the founder of Nihongo Jobs and a connector between U.S. and Japan. She has lived in multiple countries, including Poland, Italy, Japan, and the U.S. In the interview, she talks about her early experiences learning English while in kindergarten in the U.S. and how her love of learning languages led to her learning Japanese, her experiences feeling like an outsider in many cultures, and how she turned that into the strength and the frustration she felt about not being able to use her Japanese language skills and work that led to her creating Nihongo Jobs in the first place. That episode is coming up next Wednesday at our usual time, live at noon at Eastern Standard Time. So I encourage you to tune in for that. Because of that mutual connection we have in Japan, I think there was a really good interview and sharing some common experiences as well. So looking forward to sharing that with you. In the meantime, keep navigating between cultures towards your goals. Mm -hmm.